Hello, and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep culture and history alive at the local level. I'm Dale Jarvis, and today's guest is Jae Hong Jin, a researcher, photographer, and musician who is currently working as a library assistant at the QE2 Library at Memorial University with a background in the anthropology and folklore of his native Korea. Since his college days, he has been a tradition bearer of the intangible cultural heritage of traditional farmers' music and drumming ensembles, and his MA research focused on traditional music learners and audiences, continuity, and change. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning, you, hey, Jarvis. We have lo- we have lots of things that we could talk about today. Right. Uh, but I guess to start off with, t- tell me a little bit about where you're from. Where did you grow up? Uh, I well, I'm grown up in a city named Suwon. Suwon is a city near Seoul. It's actually a big city, a million people living there. Yeah. And I actually grown up at, grown up as a city boy. So a city I, boy. Yeah. yeah. I don't really. I can't really touch a fish still, although <laughs> I can't touch uh, eyes. Like sometimes the fishermen in Newfoundland, they ask me hold the cold head. Yeah. They bring my, f- you know, like fingers in the to eyes. touch it? Yeah, and you're not, no, you're I such can't. a city boy. No, I don't, I don't want to kiss anymore, no. <laughs> you haven't been made to kiss the, the codfish yet? No. Okay. No, I can't. Well, I can kiss if it's cooked, but no, <laughs> no raw fish. So how did a how did a city boy mm-hmm. uh, get interested in in these this traditional farming music and traditional drumming? Um, that's a good question. I it was about like fifteen years ago. I started my college, and when I went in college, there's a group of people playing the drumming, and then that night we kind of like I I joined and we. Just you know, it, it was like become like a welcome party, and we drank, and, and I was totally drunk, <laughs> and started playing drum. And then you know, people say, "Oh, you're good drumming," and then you're you're gonna be a good drummer. Then, oh, am I? Uh, and then, yes, so that's you, how it started. It was kind of an accident. <laughs> it kind of fell in by accident. In yes, way, yeah. But at the time, I was looking for something, you know, to start like, new things. Yeah. Because, you know, college. I believe the college life gonna be changed my life. Like, yeah different ways right so until my high school I was uh, a good student and study hard and well then it was kind of boring you know it gonna, it's gonna be boring without drawing my life right, right so in when I started my college I was looking for something I could be a band or band member like playing guitar or I could be a drummer and I choose drums <laughs> and uh, th- so explain this this style of mm-hmm. drum playing it's it's an ensemble uh, drum playing yes. that has been recognized uh, in Korea as yep. part of the intangible cultural heritage of Korea and yes. also recognized by UNESCO right yeah right so farmers music is a direct translation of nonga and it's well known outside but some people still prefer to call it pungmul pungmul means wind stuff wind things so technically, it makes sound, right? Right, and okay. the sound makes winds, and it transfers the sound to your ear. And there are basically, usually, like four or five drums played together, and one small gong, which is a metal drum, and one is a bigger metal drum, and hourglass-shaped drum, which is you play with your both hands, and the other one is better drum, which is just... You know, simple-looking drum, right? And we also have a small drum, like handheld drum, and play and dance around while other drummers play music. And 
that's the form of the music and style. And we also have Taepyeongso, which is a looks like a trumpet and makes some like melody. Okay, it makes it not boring. So when you were when you were doing your masters, was yep. this the style of music that you were studying? Yes. Um, during my college days, I I was playing. I, I also have an interest in academics, and I could read a lot of like articles, like academic articles about the, the farmers' music. But um, well, for me, those music, well, those articles look very like old-fashioned. They don't really, you know, see the point right. while you're playing. We we are not playing for the nationalism. We are not playing for. I mean, like, you know, bringing those, like, old tradition back in the world, right? We actually playing for ourselves and have fun and make a good connection with the friends. Yeah. And also, when you have an issue, we also go out the street and play the drums and for, like, protest. Oh, okay. So, and the demonstration. It yeah. has been a huge in South Korea for 80s and 90s. Yeah. And also, yeah, so that one is actually a good tool of making voice for college students and farmers and also yeah, which is uh, usually like minorities in South Korea. Yeah. So you were really looking at, at this mm-hmm. uh, kind of struggle between continuity and change then. Right. And, right, and, right. and you were saying before we started the interview here that mm-hmm. Korea has undergone uh, some pretty massive change. Right uh, over right. the past couple generations, mm-hmm. yeah, and so a lot of those traditional um, farming aspects are aren't quite as um, as popular or, or as uh, as strong as they once were. Yes, yes, um, I, I I can definitely talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> and um, early twentieth centuries, uh, South Korea, well, North Korea as well, experienced the Japanese occupation. So the colon- they became a colony of Japan Empire, and during that time, well, Japanese also want to make South Co- uh, the Korea as a part of Japan, right? So they try to erase many old-fashioned old like, traditions in South Korea, and they try to make a one united nation there. They try to make the like, same Japanese as Japanese. Well, not really same, they're actually secondary citizens, but they still want to make Japan. So during that time, it was pretty much like oppressed. And then after that, we experienced Korean War. Yeah. And during the war, the whole country was devastated. totally erased everything. We had nothing left there. And there's no chance to really do practice like old traditions anymore. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To gather people, we need food and we need a drink. We need, at least we need money. And we, we need drums. But we all lost them. Yeah. So there's no chances. And after that, like since 60s and 70s, South Korea has a government-driven like, development plan, which is we call Semal, Semal Movement, which means New Village Movement. And during that, um, the, Semal, the Semal Movement is actually aimed to get, I mean, modernize. Modernize farms. Yes, like and modernize farms yeah. and modernize lifestyles and yeah. modernize people's mind yeah. as well. So at that time, um, like traditional like practice, which is related to supernatural or spiritual <laughs> like affairs, like shamanism or you know like all the traditions, they are all oppressed as well. Right. And yeah. During that time, also we had the influence of like Western culture, and 
we also have a lot of uh, like missionaries as well. Right. So lots of churches and Catholic churches are uh, built there as yeah. well. Because I saw that you had done some work on mm-hmm. shamanistic shrines and documenting oh, yes. some of those. And right. So th- these things are kind of in decline in, mm-hmm. in some ways, I guess. Uh, I actually thought so, but it's not really. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. very interesting. Like Even in Seoul, when you do like shamanic ritual, we need to play music. Right. old music, right? And also the traditional drumming is a part of it. And also those we have like six, five different like, instruments. So it's more like orchestra, like a small orchestra. Okay. So we play drums and trumpets and lead and what's it? Uh, Hagen, which is, looks like a, a violin in South Korea and string and jitter. So they actually make, supposed to make a big noise, right? So in Seoul or like urbanized city, we can't really play those music for the shaman ritual. So shamans try to get a building or a space their own, or if they can't the space or they don't have like financial base, then they also share a place. That's why they call shaman shrine, the kutang, yeah, and which is placed in Seoul, like the center of Seoul. Okay, and people can't really see. But it is actually right at the corner, but everywhere, and then, but yeah, like normally people just pass by and can't really see. Right. And they have really good, uh, like soundproofing building stuff. <laughs> yeah, so you can't hear. Yeah. yeah, and then you can hear you from outside, and also like near, there are small um, like mountains. It's not really mountain. What do you call it? Hills or, well, let's say mountain, and they all have those places. And I actually studied about, uh, researched about the place and what happened in their place. And there are also many assistants that like, help shamans and musicians live there, and many customers that come there. Hmm. And also, this is a thing like South Korea experienced a whole lot of changes and differences, and you can't really see the net tomorrow. Right? It's really hard to expect what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. Well, last year South Korea changed their presidents by their hands and the president impeached. So this is how South Korea's dynamic is. Yeah, it's <laughs> always in change. Right, something yeah. changes all the time. And those generations who experience those changes, they still um, were like a clung to the shamanism as well. Yeah. So even though they go to church during the s- on Sunday, they still go to shamanism. So they do both. Yeah, technically some, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now, I, it, it's interesting, you know, in the face of all this change that mm-hmm. has happened in, in Korea, yeah. it, it seems that right now, um, the Korean government has been very supportive of the Intangible Cultural Heritage Program. Right. Uh, there they're always seem to be organizing big conferences, international conferences on, on mm-hmm. ICH, one of the UNESCO research centers yeah. for ICH is in, is in Korea. I, I g- get lovely newsletters from Korea oh, about uh, various things that they're doing. It, so is this interest in intangible cultural heritage, mm-hmm. is it a response to that, to that change? Um, yes, I would say. And one thing is, well, South Koreans now, they see the value of intangible heritage yeah. and how like precious they are. Yeah. They totally see it and they still want to see them back. Yeah. So for example, like National Folk Museum we have in South Korea, right in front of the blue house where the president lives, <laughs> works. And the National Folk Museum they invite the 
the farmers music performers like every uh, new Luna's New Year Day. Yep. And then they play there, and like, the citizens want to see them. Like people there, they want to see how they play. And so those affairs. And if if you wear a traditional Korean costume, then you can you can enter the palace for free. Oh. And museums as well. Yeah. So those things are um, good support from the government. And I think the well, government always see um, the tourism benefit, right? Yeah. So they see the tourism can make a benefit. And Korean culture, we have like 5,000 years of history, and we still have a good and strong tradition. Yeah. Even though like everything is modernized and people are really like contemporary. Well, South Koreans are very contemporary people. They use, they like iPhones. Yes. They love <laughs> computers and you know, new IT stuff. Yeah. They are really tech people, actually. And they are good at, you know, they make good making like electronics as well. Yeah. So they are still very contemporary, but they also know the value of the tradition. Yeah. And the other thing is we have a strong traditional uh, tradition, interest in tradition because we actually have lost a lot of them. Yeah. And I think government fund is very well, but the government, no, uh, the museums, and also they hire a lot of researchers. And we also have folklore department in one university and also there are a lot of folklorists who willing to research yeah. in every university. They are actually in a Korean literature department or either in anthropology department or they are like scattered in like a different department but still they like to study more than that and we still look for like new, not really new but the old tradition which is uh, like a veiled yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to talk to you mm-hmm. about today was about kind of Korean folklore and and, yes. and traditional stories. Right. And and you were going to you prepared some stuff. You brought some stuff about uh, a story. Now you said that this was a story that your grandmother used to tell you? Yes. And well, like grandmother could be my mom or my aunt and well I can hear this story from everywhere. But uh last night I was looking for like a new book and Actually, I just uh, searched a couple books and read this story and tried to look, like, find this story. And it, the story actually has like a longer <laughs> word, like narrative than that I actually heard. And what I feel like maybe a couple of folklorists or many folklorists like look for the same story and they rewrite and edit and also try to make integrate all the different stories in the same one narrative. That's right. what so happened, I guess. They found these different pieces of the story and have kind of right, right. rebuilt it. Yeah. Yes. So the story that you heard was actually a, a fairly short story? That Pretty much a short, yes. Yeah. Uh, you want, can I read this? Yeah, let's oh, hear right. it. What's, so, what, so what is the story about? Uh, this, uh, the, story about the story is about a tiger and dried persimmon. Dried persimmon is a type of candy. Well, we, we have it as a snack. So you, well, if you were in Korea in like a rural like a village, then under the ceiling, not ceiling, what is it called? Um, Where the roof comes down? Under, yes. Under the yes. eaves. Yes, yes, under the eaves. Yeah. There are like... Uh, hanging like persimmons, okay. which is in let, let them dry. Yeah, and when they get dry, you can have it. It's really sweet and chewy. Yeah. It's like a candy okay. or, or like a jelly. So we eat. Uh, my that's actually my father's favorite. <laughs> and 
that's uh, what do you call it, dried persimmon, kotgam. Okay, so that's that's what we need to know. About yes, story. yes, okay. the kotgam, and that's the candy. So a long time ago, uh, once upon a time, it was in the winter and it was very severely cold, and the world is blank, white with snow, and birds in the sky and animals on the earth that were very hard times finding food and there was a tiger after many days of starvation really hungry and he liked to go down the village one night because he couldn't really find any food in the mountain so he liked to fill his empty stomach he was actually looking for find something a hen or a dog maybe chicken or dog is really good for him I guess and when he got a house and he hid under the window of a, the house and he stands and listening what's happening in the house and there was a baby crying and the baby's mom the voice of his mom said listen stop crying and he tried to no she tried to stop him crying there is a wild cat out there and then but the baby kept crying and the mother then said Oh, there is a wolf coming down here. It's crying. Stop crying. And then the tiger thought, how strange the child is not afraid of a wild cat nor a wolf. And the tiger wondered, oh, let's part. Cut off, please. <laughs> then the mother held the child firmly and pretending, pr- pretending, protect him and said, listen, there is a large tiger outside the window. And then the tiger was taken back and squat and crouched flat on the ground. And then he thought, in great wonder, how does she know I'm here? The baby continues crying. And then his mom told him, you know what? There's a dry persimmon. And all at once, the baby stopped crying. And it was quiet. In the house, and the tiger thought himself, dread persimmon. How dreadful he must be. <laughs> <laughs> After all, he must be more dreadful than a wild cat, or a wolf, or even myself. I'm a tiger, though. <laughs> I'd better live here once and hide somewhere. And after that, the tiger never comes down the village. Because he was but, afraid. That yes, that's actually the story I heard <laughs> from my like, family, yeah. my grandmother. And I found there's an extra story behind that. Oh, yes, okay. Okay, can I go? Keep yeah, yeah, keep going. Yeah. Right, great. Um, yeah, that night, while well, it was just coincident, a burglar broke into the house. And he tried to steal the, a cow and went to the cattle shed. And the carriage shed is where the tiger hidden. And the burglar, where was it? Uh, the burglar was crouching in the dark corner and tried to grab the calf because he the calf was a very precious um, like property at that time because it's agricultural society yeah. and they can make good money right yeah. and they actually have the farming anyways <laughs> this is extra <laughs> <laughs> this is the backstory. story yes yeah. this is the backstory. Um <laughs> yeah so the burglar crouched into the corner the dark corner and he grabbed something it's, looks, it feels like a fur and okay 
this must be the calf. And he, he just climbed up on the tiger's back. And tiger was very astonished and rushed out fearing of his life. It must be a dried persimmon. <laughs> <laughs> and then continued to run through the ridges between fields and up and down the mountain slopes and across plains. And the burglar also almost astonished. <laughs> he, he must be really fed off, but he has to have a really good grab on the fur and then firmly held the neck and the speeding animal and tried not to fall off. And he did not know where he's going and where he's actually being taken. And finally, it began to dawn, and the burglar found that the animal was not a calf. It was a tiger. Wow, I'm so doomed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, the burglar thought and wrecked his brains for a way to escape. And he just saw a big tree. And Tiger was passing under the big tree. And he, the burglar jumped up and cut off branch. And yeah, pulled himself really into the tree. And the Tiger felt really well relieved. Because... He's damn Persimmon. <laughs> Just left. And he, but he couldn't really look back because he's very afraid of the Persimmon. And he just ran on. And he's a really terrible fellow. I hope I never meet him again. I was nearly killed. And he came across a bear. And the bear asked him, Mr. Tiger, where are you going in the early morning? In such a hurry. And the tiger answered, I have come to an upper pass. Last night, I had a dried persimmon stuck on my back, and I had just gotten rid of it. I'm running for fear and might cling my mag, my back. And then the bear burst and laughed, and he points the hanging burglar in the tree and said, What do you mean by a dried persimmon, Mr. Tiger? And this is actually a long story. And then he actually told the tiger, Let's go let us go and catch him. He will be make a good, delicious feast for us. We are hungry. And then the tiger start, said, You don't say so. <laughs> How can a man ride on the back of a tiger? There is no doubt he must be a dried persimmon. And if you can't believe me, you can't believe me, then what I, I, can, I can just go and grab him. And the burglar was watching what happened there, and he hid himself in a hole of the tree. And then the bear climbed up the tree and tried to reach him, but the hole is too deep. So he, the bear couldn't reach him. So he blocked, well, he sat on the hole and blocked it up to make the burglar out. And the burglar saw, um, well, it's not very appropriate to say, but he, the burglar saw the dangling there <laughs> yes. and then okay he this is must be <laughs> the way to survive and he untied his belt and bound up the um, the thing the dangling and tied it up and pulled off really hard and then the bear jumped up and screaming and after struggling with the unbearable pain the bear just finally exhausted and died <laughs> And the tiger said, didn't I tell you, that must be a dried persimmon. And the burglar came down the tree and 
make a fire and heat a thin stone and also he roasted the meat of the bear and ate it and in the distance in the distance tiger felt really hungry and starving right and he came to the burglar and begged him can i sh- <laughs> can you share some meat of the bear and then the burglar said all right you share have some but when i throw a chop you must catch it with your mouth and the tiger said yes and then after a while the burglar threw a red hot stone saying here you are and the tiger caught it with his mouth with no doubt and the hot stone the tiger gulped it's down at the once and his stomach began to roast and he could not stand it and died again <laughs> died as well and then the burglar came to tiger and killed him and skinned him off and he offered the skins and tigers, uh, the skins of tigers and the bear to the king, and he got praise, and he changed his mind, so he stopped uh, stealing things, and he built his business and lived very well, a long <laughs> life. That's the <so> story. <laughs> and so everyone lives happily ever after, except for the tiger and bear and the bear. Very yeah. sad. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's interesting how how mm-hmm. much you know f- world folk tales. Yeah. Uh, there are these motifs that uh, repeat, mm-hmm. and there's a <clears throat> there's a story that is um, a Caribbean story that was probably a West African story about a monkey, mm-hmm. and there was an old lady who was um, coming home from the market, and she had a bag of like sweet cakes or cookies uh-huh. or something, and she she was coming home and and she fell or tripped and these cookies fell out she said oh what what trouble what trouble i'm in and um and she went home and she left some of these cakes the monkey had seen this so he came down and he ate these sweet cakes and he Mm -hmm. said this is what this is what trouble must be right yes so he went into uh, the town and he went into a, a the marketplace and there was a man selling things and he said I want I want trouble I want as much trouble as you can give me. Mm-hmm. And uh, the man said okay I'll I'll give you trouble and he went and he got a bag and he went out in the back and he and he put a bunch of dogs into the bag and tied it up and he gave it to the monkey and he said there's your there's your trouble there. Oh. And so the monkey uh, started to go home and he couldn't wait to taste that trouble because how tasty that trouble was. And he opened up the bag, and of course all the dogs came out, and then he had to go hide in a tree, and the story goes on from there. But it's interesting how this this idea of, you know, people misunderstand a word mm-hmm. and think it means the opposite or it means something very different. And right. So this is obviously a, a kind of a little joke that hops up in mm-hmm. different cultures. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Well, uh, what I found about this story is, well, this is actually just a funny story, but uh, most of the Korean story has a big uh, narrative, which is uh, giving you, like, encouraging good and punishing evil. Yeah. This is actually a big theme of South Korean, well, like Korean folk tales. But this story has no such things. Yeah, this evil. This is just a funny. The, the burglar is the yeah, hero. The burglar yeah, burglar is actually, he should be evil, and <laughs> he, he should... Like stop stealing, and he must be punished. The one, like, usually, the stories I know is, it's normally um, the burglar or the thief get punished. Yeah, and yeah. everything go to peace. I feel that we could we could go on and talk about oh, yes. 
things for forever. But uh, we're we're running out of time. So I just I just want to say thank you for coming and mm-hmm. uh, and sharing some stories. And I feel like we could yeah we could have a whole other conversation about. <laughs> Right. Korean culture and we didn't talk about food at all and I think that's all a, the food that would be a whole other episode yeah yes all right well thank you for coming on the show all right thank you very much uh, thank you for having us not having me <laughs> you're very welcome <laughs> okay. I'm Dale Jarvis you've been listening to Living Heritage a production of CHMR Radio 93.5 in collaboration with the Intangible Cultural Heritage Office of the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. Find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Our production assistant is Tara Barrett. We would love to know what you think of the show. Leave us a comment on the Living Heritage Podcast Facebook page or tweet us at HFNLCA. Thanks for listening.